I want to say, as I start off this morning, I'm really excited about this series. I am, I'm convinced it's really important for us as a church family in terms of where we're at. And, um, and it really is a journey, which is why we kind of wanted to have that strap line in it. This is a journey. So we're starting from different places and we're really aware of that and really okay with that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm aware when you come to the subject of money, in kind of if, you've, if you've been knocking around the church, growing up in a church context, actually the subject of money can be really sensitive. It's not always handled really well. I don't think we always do a great job teaching on it. Um, and so probably, you know, all of us arrived kind of thinking we're going to start talking about money with different baggage, different experience, different habits uh, in different places. Um, and that really is okay, but I want to encourage us all as much as possible to um, just lower those walls, leave some of that baggage, and, um, and genuinely come expecting God to talk to you, actually to encourage you, to bless you, to challenge you, um, and actually to do that in the context of hope. You know, so wherever you find yourself this morning, um, actually I think that there's real hope for us. Um, and so it is a journey, and it is about being faithful, but it is about knowing that, that as we do that, the promise is fruitfulness. And we can't escape that. Um, and I think, like any area of our Christian life, genuinely, there's, there's always more for us. There's always more freedom. There's always more for us to grow. Um, and so I want to encourage you, you know, maybe some of you think, yeah, I kind of get the money thing. You know, I, I want to throw some thoughts out there um, just to start you thinking in terms of where you're at with money. You know, are you somebody who will always choose the cheapest thing off the menu and would you know, feel guilty if you did anything other than that? like where's the cheapest thing I want that might not actually be what you want but it's the cheapest thing so you'll have that maybe you're someone who actually kind of resents spending money on other people find that really difficult find generosity actually generous giving you actually find that a real challenge maybe some of you struggle with envy you're looking at other people's financial situation and actually feeling really envious of that um Maybe you are sat here this morning and, you know, you think, oh, they're going to start talking about tithing. And tithing makes you feel either really resentful or really fearful. You know, either I don't want to or actually I really can't afford to. Like it, and it actually raises anxiety. Maybe even the whole kind of topic of, of finances, actually that is a source of real anxiety for you at the moment. Maybe you're someone who feels really guilty if you buy yourself or someone in your family something that is non-essential. You treat yourself or somebody else, actually you'd feel really awkward about that. Um, Maybe you're the other extreme. Maybe you're the sort of person who has absolutely no problem treating yourself, but actually you know it's an unhealthy extreme where you always want more and you've always got to have the upgrade on the day it's released and there's there's more, 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 more. Um, And actually that you're either unwilling or unable to share to wait, to maybe go without, or maybe give it away. Um, actually, that's really difficult. Maybe you're someone who feels massively awkward if you go out for dinner and someone else says, let me get this, I want to get the bill. And you're like super awkward. Or someone comes with a, you know, a gift for you, and maybe an expensive, a lavish gift, they want to treat you. Actually, you feel really uncomfortable receiving that. Maybe that's where you're at. I'm aware there's probably plenty of people in the room who say that actually either feel very anxious about finances. For other people, maybe there's real sort of kind of feel really ashamed or embarrassed about their financial situation whether that's good or bad actually whether you know you feel like you've you know you're massively struggling or whether actually you've got quite a lot you actually somehow feel uncomfortable or ashamed about that maybe there's people who actually really struggle with debt maybe kind of month by month you always you know there's there's too much month for the money you're constantly kind of counting down to payday any or all of those things, and I wonder whether at least one of those maybe slightly resonates with all of us. Actually, I'm saying those things just to indicate, listen, there's probably more for us to go. Like there's a journey for all of us to go on because there's, all of us will maybe have 
some slightly unhelpful thinking, slightly unhelpful habits, maybe not be walking in health and wholeness in the area of finances. And so I want to encourage you, there are things that we need to allow God to challenge, to heal, to restore, to kind of adjust our thinking in order for us to walk in the fruitfulness that I think he has for us. Because I'm really aware, listen, in the church particularly, there are some distortions, there are some unhealthy extremes um, that either intentionally get communicated or that kind of is, is what we, we land on um, that we've somehow bought into, which are, we need to kind of, I want to talk about those things in order to put them to one side. So one of the unhelpful distortions is that somehow you know, money is wicked and evil. Um, you know, it's wrong to be wealthy and actually God really doesn't like rich people. Um, it's absolutely not true. You know, and it's, it's actually in that whole bit of thinking is that somehow it's more honourable, it's more righteous to be holy than wealthy. You know, so some of those things on that list you know, are more Christian acceptable than others. So, you know, so it's more Christian acceptable to you know, always choose the cheapest thing on the menu than it is to struggle to be generous. Somehow we're, we've ranked those things that actually that's more righteous. I don't think it is. I, I don't think I, any of those things I've, on that list are healthy. Um, but that is not the case. You know, money is not evil. God is really okay with wealth and he's really okay with rich people. If you just read the Old Testament, you know, some of the Old Testament patriarchs, you know, you think about Abraham, Jacob, David, Solomon, were extremely, not, you know, not comfortably off, they were extremely wealthy. And God said about David, he's a man after his own heart. So God is okay with money and, and with wealth. And listen, Wealth and be, being rich and being wealthy are not the same thing, right? You know, there are people on this planet who are extremely rich, but they're actually not wealthy. Wealthy is a healthy management of riches, I think. But anyway, God is okay with money. Let me read you a couple of Bible verses. If you don't believe me, believe God. Ecclesiastes 5.19 says, Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and to be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. Right? God gives people wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them. That is a gift from him. So do not feel guilty about it. It's a gift, and we should enjoy it. Sometimes in the church, we're not super good at that. Similar theme, Paul talking in 1 Timothy 6, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And the context is rich people. Actually, God is providing for their enjoyment. It's not where we put our hope. It's not the way to be arrogant in that, but it is a gift of God that we should enjoy. So we've got somehow got to avoid, I think, these two ditches, if you like. You know, we often talk here about actually there's a, you know, there's a way to walk in health and then there are unhealthful extremes where we end up in a ditch one side or the other. So in this whole sphere of talking about finances and the idea of God and wanting to give us prosperity, even that word, some of you are like... I'm twitching, high anxiety. Like it's right throughout the Bible, okay? Actually talking about prosperity. But for some of us, one ditch is that biblical prosperity, and it has been mismanaged in the church to mean actually it's all about money and it's all about you. Like it's, and that's just not it, okay? But the other extreme is that actually when God talks about wanting to bless us and prosper us, it's nothing to do with money and it's also nothing to do with me. It's for other people. That's not it, okay? So we need to avoid those two ditches. Neither of those two things are helpful or healthy or, or true. But I am aware it absolutely can be a super sensitive subject. Um, and, but 
it's not good enough to just say, oh, some people might feel uncomfortable about that, so we just won't talk about it. It's not good enough. You know, Jesus talked about it a lot. Okay, so Jesus' parables, the primary way he taught, um, out of his 38 parables, 16 of them, 40% of the parables Jesus taught are about money or possessions. 40%. That's quite a lot about one subject. If you look through the Bible, there are well over 500 verses on faith, well over 500 verses on prayer, well over 2,000 verses on money and possessions. So God seems to talk about it a lot. So I think we need to talk about it some, which is what we're going to do. All right. But I want to say this. Listen, when we've been talking and, and praying and thinking and kind of kicking things around in the senior team, one of the things I want you to be really aware of and is that our motivation for this series is what it isn't. And then I want to talk about what it is. This is not a fundraising drive for us as a local church community, okay? Actually, hand on heart, in all honesty, our finances as a church family are healthier than they've ever been in 28 years, which is wonderful. And I'm super thankful for it. You know, every year our finances are growing. Actually, our giving is going up by 9% year on year. Like we're, we're doing, we're in a really healthy position with our finances, which is great and I'm thankful for. So this is not a fundraising drive, okay? So you can, if that was one of your thoughts, you can park that one. What it isn't, is a get-rich scheme for you guys. This is a bless me, bless me. That, that's not the motivation for it either. I want you to be blessed. I want you to prosper. But that's not the motivation either. This is about this key question, which you'll have heard of Phil and I, we keep coming back to in, in any area, is who are we becoming? As a, like me as an individual, Phil and I as a couple, us as a family, and then us as a church family, who are we becoming actually? And how are we becoming mature? So this series and looking at God's heart to bless us, but our requirement for us to be faithful is a call to maturity. And it really ties in with what Phil shared last week. If you weren't here last week, I really strongly want to encourage you to listen to what Phil shared last week. It was a really important and prophetic word for us as a church family in terms of us actually, this idea of spring cleaning and actually being ready for a new season. This series ties in with that. And so if you weren't here, I want to encourage you to listen to it. If you were here, listen to it again and have that as your filter. And I'm, I'm going to explain that a little bit more later on. Um, but the, the thing is, if you look through the Bible, m- money is actually is a, is a test on one level. It's actually, it's quite a good test of where's my heart at? Like, how is my thinking? Actually, my relationship with money, my management of money, how I manage money rather than money managing me, actually that reveals quite a lot about my values, about my priority. I think it reveals a lot about my faith, my obedience, my loyalty. It's, it's not the only, but I think it is an important marker of maturity. Okay? My relationship with money is an important marker of my maturity, and the same for you. But it's, it's not just about good habits and Christian behavior. It is about, it's, it's a test that is, where is our heart at? bottom line. That's what it's about. There's um, a book we've been using and we'll be pulling on through this series called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris, who's a guy who's got you know, real, real authority to speak into this, uh, this whole area of generosity. He's got some amazing testimonies. Um, but he says this in his book, The Blessed Life, giving is important because it does a supernatural work in our hearts. That's what God is after, our hearts. God is not after our money. He doesn't need it. But our treasure is tied to our hearts. Thus, God goes through our treasure to get to our hearts. Right? So this is what it's about. It's about actually what's going on on the inside. Absolutely, that's going to have an out. You know, that will affect 
our behavior, but it starts on the inside. And so one of the things we need to do in terms of having like a healthy internal framework, not just, you know, appropriate Christian behavior, is actually, is you need to be okay with blessing, with you being blessed and with other people being blessed. You've got to get okay with that. Um, The Bible is full of God's promise to bless his people, to cause them to prosper throughout the whole Bible consistently. In in Deuteronomy, there's four specific times where God promises um, to bless everything Israel puts their hands to if they're obedient to what he says specifically in the region of of money and giving. Um, If you're If you want the references, I'm not going to read them all just for the sake of time, but Deuteronomy 14, verse 29, chapter 23, verse 20, and chapter 28, verses 8 and 12. But then I'll read one of them. Deuteronomy 15, verse 10, God says this, give generously to them. He's talking about the people around them. And do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. So there's, an, there's a promise here that as we give generously, so this is talking about giving, um, actually there is a promise that as we're obedient in that, as we are generous, God wants to bless us it, like that's a, with the, all the work of our hands, not just, you know, I'll give you money, but actually everything that I put my hand to, my marriage, my children, my health, my house, like Everything we put our hands to, God promises to bless if we are obedient and being generous. So there's like a there's a specific command to be generous, to be givers, but there's a very broad, all-encompassing promise that is attached to it. We see it again in 2 Corinthians 9, which is a really important passage when it comes to giving, and Santino's going to unpack that in one of the weeks he's speaking. But let me just read verse 8 to you. It says this: God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in All things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is a massively important verse. This is like, this is the most all-encompassing promise in the whole Bible, I think. Listen to it. In all things, at all times, having all that you need. Like there's not, not an awful lot's going to fit outside of that. It's a massive, all-encompassing promise. God is promising to provide everything we need, all the time, in every season. And able to bless us abundantly. So provide what we need and bless us abundantly. And listen, the context here, 2 Corinthians 9, we'll unpack it, is it is very specifically talking about money. Because I I know when we're talking about God blessing us, it's not just about money. Remember, we said biblical prosperity, it's not all about money, but equally it's not nothing to do with money. So the context of this verse, God being able to bless us abundantly and provide everything we need is absolutely in the context of giving. That's what Paul's talking to the Corinthian church about. He's talking about an offering, them giving finances. Okay, That is the context. Okay, There's this abundance and this all-encompassing promise of provision and blessing if we are obedient and if we are generous. Okay? But it starts with, it's a faith journey, and it starts with the opening phrase of that verse, that God is able. I think we sometimes miss that bit. Actually, we, we hear the promise that he'll make everything abound to me, and, and, and we hear the call that I need to be generous, but we forget that really important phrase right slap back in the middle, that is, God is able. Like, this whole journey and us growing in maturity in our finances is based on the fact that God is able. I am not always able. I am not always going to get it right. You are not always going to get it right. But God is able. 
regardless of the sort of the financial markets at the moment, regardless of what your bank balance says right now, regardless you know, what your budget balancing looks like, beyond all of that, God is able. So we have to have that as our building block in this faith journey. That block needs to be in place. I believe and I trust God is able. And therefore, I'm going to move forward. So that piece absolutely needs to be, it needs to be in place. And I know, listen, when we, we were talking about giving, absolutely, money is not the only thing we give, right? Absolutely, we have been entrusted with an awful lot. Um, so the whole resource of my life, my time, my energy, as well as my money, my home, my family, my friendship, like I need to give all of my resources. I need to be a generous giver with every resource that God's trusted me with, right? Okay? But the danger is that any time we hear anything in the Bible about giving, we think about resource because we're a little bit uncomfortable about actually being really specific and committing to money, in the same way that when God says, I want to bless you, I want to prosper you, of course we're not, it's not just money. And of course, you know, and Paul says in Ephesians, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. The biggest bank account in the world does not compare with what we've been blessed with in Jesus. It doesn't. But God's blessing sometimes manifests as pounds and pence and a home or a car. Or a, like it does. So we have to get, we have to be careful and discount and think, his blessing is never going to manifest as money. It, like, again, avoid those ditches. And I would encourage you, listen, you will probably, without thinking too hard about it, you will probably be well aware which of the ditches you're more likely to fall into. Either it's all about money and it's all about me, or equally, well, it's not about money and it's not about me, and it's way more, on, you know, it's way more Christian to be poor. It's really, it's really not good to be Christian and rich. Like You'll know which of the ditches you're more likely leaning. And I want to just encourage you, acknowledge that, but ask the Lord to walk, help you walk another way because his heart is to bless us. You cannot escape that. If you're uncomfortable with it, frankly, it's tough because God is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he'll do, which is to bless us. And he promises to reward obedience. He promises to reward our generosity. Like that just is who he is. So you have to get over it if you're uncomfortable with that. I think you just do need to get over it. The response of this generous Father God that we have is that he's always positioned to bless us. And that actually when we walk in obedience, when we walk in faithfulness, when we are generous, he loves that. And so his promise is, I will, I will bless you. Actually, he will. It's not the reason that we give, okay? The reason I give my money is not so God gives me money back like he's some big vending machine and then he owes me somehow. Like, that's nonsense. Like, it's all his anyway. Like, it, it's all his money. I'm only giving back to him what he gives me anyway. But listen, absolutely, it blesses his heart when he sees me walking there. And his, and his heart is, good job. I want to reward that. Uh, let me give you an example of this. We, had, um, we have two kids. We have a boy, Luke, who's 14, and a girl, Abby, who's 12. Definitely raised them the same, definitely completely different children. Like, super different in every way. And so I remember about... Um, that after, do you remember the massive earthquake in Haiti? It was 2010. I had to look it up. I couldn't remember. 2010. So our son was seven at this point, and at his primary school, they were doing sort of some fundraising, and they were sort of wanting to raise money. You know, this this appeal, this horrendous earthquake that struck Haiti. And so Luke had had, had some money. They'd had some Christmas money, and then um, Phil had taken the kids shopping. Though they both had the same amount of money. Um, so Abby was five, Luke was seven, and they are completely different. So Abby had gone into one shop. Toys R Us, 
literally spent the whole lot in 10 minutes straight. Like, literally, it's gone in a moment. She had this monstrous double-decker pink um, bunk bed thing for her babies and the new baby doll, and we've since palmed that off on James and Helen Torrey. You're welcome. Um, but she literally, 10 minutes, I'm not joking, and it was one of these years where Phil and I were like, how have these kids got this much money? This is silly. This is a silly amount of money that somehow friends and family had given them. She'd spent the lot in one shop in 10 minutes. Luke, on the other hand, had looked all around all the sort of the aisles in Toys R Us he might be interested in, kind of weighing up his options. Mm, yeah, not sure, Daddy, let's go and have a look. Looked in another shop. He'd been in like three or four different shops, spent nothing. And eventually they come home, Abby with like two bags of Toys R Us goodies, Luke with just one little magic set and all the rest of the money still in his pocket. Um, but anyway, so he had some cash left. So he had, I remember he had 10 pounds left in his money box. And so school were talking about, listen, we want to, you know, we want to fundraise. And I'm, we were just having a, you know, conversation. I said, hey, Luke, so you could, you know, maybe you want to give some of your Christmas money if you want. You could give a little bit of that. He was like, yeah, maybe. It wandered off. Came back later in the day and said, actually, mum, I want to give all of it. He wanted to give his last 10 pounds, which as a seven-year-old, like 10 quid's quite a lot of money, right? Um, genuinely, no pressure from Phil. Like, there honestly wasn't. It was, a, hey, if you want to, you could give some of your money. His response was, I'd really like to give all of this. And without even thinking, like, my instant response as a mum was, I'm going to give you 20 back. Like, I so love what I've seen in you, absolutely have it back. And it's like, honestly, that's not the reason. He was not giving because mum and dad would give me more back. Absolutely wasn't. He was responding to need, actually being generous, really generous for a little lad. But my heart was, you go, son. So pleased with him. I'm like, I want, and I want to bless you for that. But actually, it makes me think, I can trust you because you're beginning to show me that actually you're, you're thinking about money, which is great. That's how God is with us. It isn't the reason that you and I to give. We give out of obedience and we give out of a generous heart. Not to get, but you cannot escape the biblical promise that he wants to bless us as we are generous. So some of us need to have a, a shift in our thinking and, and understand God really does Listen, some of you, it needs to get much more personal. It's not just God wants to bless us. Some of you have to have a, a shift in your thinking that God wants to bless me. It's like it is about you. It's not only about you, but like it is about you. Like God actually does want to bless you. But we have to balance that, of course, on the one hand. But on the other hand, we have to balance that with remembering it is about you, but it's not only about you. Yes, God wants to bless us, but it's in order that we would be a blessing. Right, we have to have that. It says, you know, freely you've received, freely give. Some of you need to get better at the freely receiving. Like he wants to give to you, would you just receive it? Like some of you, that's an area to start working on. But for others, it's like, actually, you have freely received and so now freely give. It's both. We must have those things. You know, the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee, it's a really helpful analogy with this. So these are two bodies of water in Israel, really close together. So they're only 63 miles apart. So you know, you'd think two bodies of water, probably fairly similar in terms of what's in them, but like they're not, okay? So the Dead Sea, as its name hints, is dead. Like literally nothing lives in it, okay? The Sea of Galilee, on the other hand, is absolutely full of life. You know, multiple you know, species of fish and all that, absolutely teeming with life. The difference, which I'm sure you know, is that actually the Dead Sea doesn't have an outflow. So they both have rivers flowing into them, that's the same. They're both bodies of water. That's the same. The Sea of Galilee has outflow. It goes through and then out. The Dead Sea has no outflow. So it just has water flowing into it. And as a result, 
it's dead. It's this super high saline content. Nothing can live. Listen, it is well worth considering that when we look at our lives and actually, is life flourishing? Like, am I like the Sea of Galilee? Is there life? Is life flourishing? And if not, all right, let's have a think. Let's check the source. Actually, freely received. Actually, am I receiving what God wants to pour into me? It's not just about money, but this series is. So let's think about money, okay? Think about the source. Now, God is the source. He's able to provide and to bless. So check the source, but equally, check the outflow. You are blessed, but it's to be a blessing. You have got to receive, but it is in order to then give as well. That's where life comes from, life in all its fullness, yeah? And listen, this is where I want to land this. The reason this matters is, yes, it is, it's good for you, but the reason this matters is because it matters for Manchester. And I want to try and connect these dots for you, which is why you know, what Phil shared last week is so important, and actually why what Neil is sharing is so vitally important. If we want to see systemic poverty changed, if we want to see not just kind of helping look after people's immediate needs on the streets, but actually get them restored into life, we have to get to grips with some of this, and let me explain why. There's a verse in, um, in Luke chapter 16, is another one of Jesus' 16 parables where he's talking about money, and it's the, it's the parable of the shrewd um, steward, But I want to read the last little verses where Jesus says, it's really interesting thing. So this is Luke 16, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, Who will give you property of your own? This is the key. This is our heart behind this whole series. Verse 11. Actually, if we're not trustworthy with worldly wealth, we're not going to be trusted with true riches. So conversely, if we want to be trusted with true riches, one of the ways that we show ourselves ready, qualify ourselves, if you like, is that we've learned to handle worldly wealth. Like, you just can't escape that. Okay? So there's this responsibility in the kingdom that God wants to give, but it's absolutely related to how we handle money. Like, I'm not making this up. I'm not looking for a connection. That that just is what Jesus says. Actually, how we handle worldly wealth, money, finances, possession, absolutely is what is going to qualify us to be trusted with true riches. And that's what we want. Like, not just more money, but that might happen. That isn't the goal. The goal is true riches, which is people. You know, lives changed, people saved, people healed, miracles coming. Actually, systemic things in our city changing. Actually, Manchester genuinely ending homeless. That is true riches. If we want to be trusted with having a part to play in that, we have got to figure out how we deal with worldly wealth. Like, honestly, it's that simple. And that's why it's so important, because it isn't just about you. It actually is about our city. So think about it. Easter Sunday, we have our kids' party upstairs, right? 40 children give their lives to Jesus. That's true riches. I want more of that, and so do seven other people, right? That's true riches. If I want to see more of that, I have got to figure out how to handle finance. It's just that equation, right? A couple of weeks before that, someone had come struggling with really awful, painful mouth ulcers all week. Sam was leading the service and felt, actually, we don't go after healing. Someone was completely healed, in the moment, they've just disappeared. 
They just like disappeared from my mouth in the moment. That's miraculous. That is true riches. And you might, well, that's not that big a deal. Like, that's amazing. If God can make someone's mouth ulcers disappear, he can make their cancer disappear. No different. So I'm encouraged. I'm like, it's like the two spies, right? They go into the promised land and they come back with fruit and other people are like, meh, that's not that big. But they're like, this is enough. This is enough. This proves this is the promised land that we're in. Like that's, that's the attitude I, that I have with this. I'm like, we are seeing people saved. We are seeing people healed. This is it. Like, this is what we're here for. That is the true riches. To qualify for more, which I want. Like, I want more of that. We have got to, as individuals and as a house, we've got to learn to handle wealth. We have to learn how to deal with money. So it's really, really important. See it again in Proverbs 11. Have you heard this verse? When the righteous prosper... The city rejoices, which sounds like a funny, like a funny phrase. Like, why would the why would Manchester rejoice when the righteous, the righteous being people who are made right in right relationship with God because of Jesus? So that's if you are a Christian in this room, that's you. So this verse is saying Manchester rejoices when I'm blessed, when I prosper. Like, it just it says it. Let me read you the um, <clears throat> the Passion translation of. Proverbs 11 verse 10 says this, the blessing that rests on the righteous releases strength and favor to the entire city. But shouts of joy will be heard when the wicked one dies. So blessing coming to me actually releases something to Manchester. So we're not going to see the end to homelessness unless we learn to steward blessing, which means I have to receive and give. I have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with that. So some of us, like in like the church, if, if the ditch is biblical prosperity, is, it's about joy and hope and peace. It's, nothing, it's never about money. Yes, it's joy and hope and peace, but yes, it's also money. Actually, we, if, if the city is going to have strength and favor released to it, if the city is going to rejoice, I have to learn how to steward blessing, which means we have to stop belittling it, feeling awkward about it, batting it away. Like we need to learn to receive it and steward it well because it matters for Manchester. I believe, you know, I believe it matters for you, but it's way bigger than that. Like, this is way more important than your bank account. I want your bank account to be healthy, but this is way, way more important than that. This is about a city. And we are positioned here as a church family to actually see God's kingdom to come and to see Manchester changed. And the, I'm, like, I'm not making these connections up. The Bible is just saying we have to learn to steward finances in order to walk into that. So if you remember, you know, Phil was sharing last week about this kind of spring cleaning, this new season actually saying, listen, the process of restoration that we're in and we're always in is actually for purpose, which is for revival, for reformation. So seeing culture change and renaissance, people's a new way of thinking, like that's the goal. So to walk in those things means we have to learn to handle worldly wealth because that is what qualifies us for those true riches. Can you see that? Finally, Luke's version of the parable of the talents. So you know, it's another one of Jesus' parables, another one about money. So the master has three servants, okay? And he gives them different amounts of money. Do you remember the story? Master goes away and, and trusts these three guys with this money. Two of them invest it, look after it, and see a return on it. It grows. One of them buries it and leaves it and comes back. Jesus' response to the faithful stewards, so the ones who were good stewards of what he gave them, who actually invested it, used it, and it grew... Listen to Jesus' response to them. This is Luke 19, verse 17. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, 
take charge of 10 cities. Like that kind of slightly stopped me on my tracks when I read that. Listen, it wasn't, well done, my good servant, you've done a good job with that, here's 20% of it. Actually, the, the reward for good stewardship was influence over cities. Guys, that's a really big deal. That's what this is ultimately all about, that we would have influence in our city because we've been good stewards of what God's given us, and that has to include finances. It absolutely does. So when, you know, our encouragement, you know, one of our highest values is that we would engage our city. So you would show up in education or in healthcare or in business or wherever God's got you, you would show up and make a genuine and long-lasting difference. So in order to do that, wherever you show up, actually you becoming a good steward of finances, you know, receiving blessing and being generous, like that is part of how you're going to engage the city. It's not just share your testimony, pray for the sick. Absolutely it's all that, but actually it's handled worldly wealth really well. That is some of how Manchester is changed. That is how we're going to walk in health and maturity because we understand we're going to avoid that ditch of you know, unhealthy biblical prosperity, which is bless me, bless me. You know, I give because God's going to give me back ten, you know, tenfold and he somehow owes me. Like That's nonsense. We'll avoid that ditch by understanding, yes, he wants to bless me, but because beyond me and my bank balance, there's Manchester that needs to change. That's the deal. But how are you and I steward our finances is, is a vital unavoidable link in that chain. So no matter where you are this morning, where you are in that journey, and I'm super aware, people are coming from massively different situations. Um, Listen, remember, on any journey, it's really important that we know where we're going. And I want to say to you, listen, where we're going is seeing Manchester change. That's the ultimate goal. But actually, in any journey, it's all very well knowing where you're going. If you don't know where you're starting from, it's very difficult to plan a route. So acknowledging where you're starting from either in actually the reality of your financial situation, maybe in your kind of heart response to money, maybe in the way you thought about it. Just acknowledge where you're at, but understand actually there's a journey for us to go on. And I'm encouraged to go on it together because it is about maturity. It's about obedience and faithfulness. And it's something that as we get ourselves lined up as a church family, actually genuinely mantra is going to be changed because of it. And that's why... I'm really excited about this series. I'm not in any way uncomfortable or apologetic about it. I'm encouraged because I believe God wants to trust us with so much more of the kingdom. And this is one of the ways that we get ready. So that's what we're going to do. Is that all right? All righty. Have a stand up. I want to pray for us.